in 1960s, very early days, that it should not remain with the family. So the matter came um, to High Court. Ramsa Brahman was the one who ruled. He said, okay, appoint a trust. Three people will be appointed by the ashram, meaning the president, who is a member of the family, Bhagwan's family, and he will appoint two trustees. One will be the joint commissioner of HRMCE, and another one will be appointed by the government. There was absolutely no scandal in Ramana Ashram. It was it's the only ashram I know which has been running properly, doing all the things. Of course, there is Bhagwan Samadhi, there is a Shiva. Um, Shiva Lingam established that. There is also a, um, a Samadhi for uh, Bhagwan's mother, okay, where there is um, worship for Mother Goddess, okay, Sashti Chakra established. It's not considered a temple because there is no Hundi, but the donations are pouring in, okay. Even there, they, they attack. But right next to it is the Sheshadri Swamigal Ashram, where the properties were worth 100 crores. The trustees started fighting with each other. One guy assumed, one guy accused the other fellow of trying to corner the properties. There were some fraudulent transactions. See, this is a, a problem. See, as Hindus, that we want to protect all the, all the temples, that we have to mobilize communities locally throughout the state of Tamil Nadu, or any other state for that matter, who are willing to come forward and say that we will take over this temple. So we have to form clusters of people in various localities and we have to throw many lawsuits. Because the question is asked, okay, who do I give it to? I take it out of HR and see tomorrow, okay? I don't have anybody in this particular village to take it over. Okay, there is one person, Ramesh. And secondly, there is one more thing, Ramesh, that I want to point out. See, you have the total revenue, 6,000 crores. Once you give it to the local communities, it's a private trust. That guy will not be willing to share the revenue with another temple. See, if you take um, uh, one temple, that temple generates, let's say Mother Imina Chiyam, one temple generates 200 crores. If it's run by a trust, that trust will not give the money to another trust. Say, let's say that you have another temple in Vridhachalam that is in shambles and you want to support the temple. Mother Imina Chiyam and will say, no, this money belongs to us. We want to support the local community. There, will, okay. there has got to be a central authority. See, there are, lot of, there are very good intentions here, but how do we organize ourselves into a force? This is the question that I don't have an answer to. I, I would like to answer some of your questions. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, before 1927, the Act came, there were problems in temple administration. They're not that they were running very, very smooth. Right. Especially those people who had four or five wives and who had 20 descendants who will be the next Dharmakarta was usually the issue before every court. And uh, thanks to those fights, the courts were involved about or seized of the urgency and importance of individual temple administration. And sometimes it is a fight between communities, saying that this community has predominant right over the other communities, vis-a-vis -vis this temple, this section, this uh, uh, philosophy, uh, we should alone be followed in this temple academy. We know the fights about Tengalai, Baragalai and all that. Now, there are many schemes of administration framed by district courts and the high court as early as 1920, 1910 and 1930 and all that. I'll give you an example of uh, Sri Parsadi Temple, Triplicate, where the three judge bench has framed a scheme of administration holding that this is basically a predominantly a Sri Vaishnava temple belonging to the Tengalai persuasion. And among the residents, Tengalai residents of Triplicane, uh, Tengalai Sri Vaishnava Brahmin will be elected as a trustee. 
Tenkalai Aryavaisya person will be elected as a trustee and Tenkalai non-Aryavaisya, non-Brahmin will be also elected as a trustee. So there will be three trustees who will administer the temple for five years and how the properties and how the other administration, the classes have all been put on by the court. Now this scheme has been suspended and the entire temple has been taken over by the scoundrel government of Tamil Nadu which has appointed no trustees for the last 40 years. The executive officer is doubling up as the fit person of the temple. On one hand, he passes a resolution. On the other hand, there's the same signature, he approves the resolution. Can I intersect? Uh, yeah. See, uh, you said that there were three trustees formed. The moment the government stepped in and took over, these trustees should have gone to court. They gone to court, the case is still pending. Yeah. You see, what happens is... If 1971, the case is still pending. Right, I agree. See, if such action takes place throughout the state of Tamil Nadu, various trustees of thousands of temples come forward and throw lawsuits one after another and make it a mass movement, then the government cannot ignore it. That is what I'm trying to say. You see, they can throw one case, um, you know, and, and bury it, okay? And that person, and after some time, after a few years, people get old, and then they don't have the energy to fight, and then they just, uh, but if you make it a mass movement, and I, I'm just throwing out an idea. How to so make it a mass movement? We have to have some initial victories before yeah. we make it a mass movement. Chidambaram, the Dikshadas have defended the temple from government or government interference of power, the interference of power in the last 2000 years. Right. There was a, a Shiva devotee who wanted to be crowned by the Chidambaram Dikshadas 1400 years ago. The Dikshadas refused him even though he was the king saying that we will do only to Chola kings. And they had to have a major exodus to Kerala and only minimum people were here to do the pujas. Ultimately, the devotee gave up that thing because Lord Shiva came in, supposed to come in this uh, dream and said, I've given you my feet as your crown. So, so Chidambaran Dikshadas always have had problems. They had problems with Pandya. Right, I agree. But, no, Ramesh, can I say one thing? Hmm. You see, um, uh, um, the fight uh, that you're doing in High Court, okay, hmm. and let's say that um, we get a favorable ruling, that's a big plus really a big plus, really it's a moral booster. What if we have to bring awareness to various sections or various groups in Tamil Nadu and encourage them to throw lawsuits? See, simultaneously, along with your lawsuit, let's say Madhura Meenachi Ampal, the temple, somebody was administering it before, that group comes forward and they file a lawsuit. Same thing with all the temples that you mentioned or the temples that you have not mentioned. And we mobilize group. Let's say you talked about Kaparishwar Temple. You mobilize a local community. Let's say Thuruvallala community. Let them come forward, form a group. We were administering it. Let them appoint two or three leaders. File a lawsuit. But, but wonderful. How see, do you do that? How do you mobilize them? What information see, do you have? Right? Hmm? We cannot take it up on a bigger level. We should take it up in a smaller level and make it a work workable model. Sir, sir, you. I have. With, with due respect, with respect to your views, I'm saying that I crossed that stage. I tried creating awareness. Mm -hmm. It is not just I alone, people of Temple Worship Society and others. I'm also associated with Dr. Swami in his efforts to save Hindu temples from government control and all that. Even he poses the question of who do we hand it over to. Now, that's not a really a big question at all. Now, let's take State Bank of India or LIC or Railways, which has enormous properties across India. What do they have? They have an office called a state office. State Bank of India owns a lot of apartments, a lot of sites, a lot of buildings, which is rent out commercially and uh, residential as well. So in all these things, properties, immobile properties, 
where there are some issues. The estate officer is given quasi-judicial powers and you take up the case with him and all that. Similarly, I'm just putting it right now, this is a, a matter of a large discussion, we should do it uh, separately, also I press for time. There is no big issue of, you know, administration of temples, handing over and all that. How did we administer temples? We administered with the Grama Sabha. There are enough inscriptions, enough uh, evidences in our Chola and Pallava and other history. And Dr. people like Dr. Nagaswamy can give a beautiful system of alternate management. And um, it is not something that is unachievable. It is very much achievable. I don't want to discuss it all because if I say that now, and those are the points we are going to debate in Supreme Court, and people would, would get into that rather than our constitutional rights about or the illegal presence of the temple, government in temples. We'll come to that a little later. But I'll assure you, we have wonderful plans of alternate management. Let me give you that assurance without giving you the details. But I'm also drawing your attention to the illustration of estate officers with the, even army has a yeah. and uh, um, LIC or State Bank of India, which was originally the Imperial Bank. Now, we need to segregate the administration of the place of worship and the administration of the external properties of the place of worship. Supposing a temple has got 5,000 acres or 70,000 acres like Vedaragam, now we need a different setup for those temples. The 17,000 acres of Vedaranyam, 10,000 acres of salt pans, which means they are capable of providing regular income, but only to those people who are collect who relax it in an organized manner. So there has to be proper leases, proper organizations which can give bank guarantees and the kind of things. And ensure that the wealth to be derived every year, each year, is not denied at all. Now, government also has a major role to play here. I'm not saying government should be out totally, but we, if you see the act, and if you see the powers that can be given to the executive officer who's appointed, the section very clearly says only those powers that appertain to the properties of the temple can be given. But what happens in reality? This fellow comes and stands saying, you're doing Balalayam, you're doing the Shivaratri festival, you're doing this here, I'm here. He has no role to play inside the temple at all, which is a place of worship. He or she. How can they establish an office inside the temple and they say, okay, I will put the Archaga roster, I will determine who will be the physician of the temple and all that. They have absolutely no role to play. They have only a role to play vis-a-vis -vis the immovable properties of the temple, prevent them from being encroached, ensure that they realize the money, ensure that Abdul Karim is not staying in the name of Tanigachalam Chattiyar, like they do in parts of the temple, visit the properties, visit if, if, a, if a site is being given and the fellow who has taken it on a lease has built a massive uh, office space there and is subletting it, you have to go and check the, all that. That is your job as executive officer. Your job is not to see the pujas, the rituals and the duty roster of the Achakas.